Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back to the Dungeon of Doom postseason edition. They had a shot in Green Bay, although before that game kicked off, Seattle took care of its business in in Seattle against the Rams in overtime, but I had eliminating Detroit from from the postseason. Still got a good win against the Packers to send them in the offseason. You know, just a fitting way, I think, for what was just a really encouraging season. I've been on this beat since 2013, Ben, and I can't remember the last time where it felt like all of the pieces were in place quite like they are right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I remember doing my kind of end of the year video recap after that game. And for the first time, as long as I can remember, maybe next year feels very genuine and just kind of optimistic and it's not tongue in cheek because, I mean, they proved that this wasn't a fluke. They proved that the pieces are there, the, the rookie class, Jared Goff, all those. I mean, yeah, just a very positive, weird this is the first time I felt this refreshed going into an off season. Like it wasn't just—I don't know—it was just a different season. It was a lot of fun to cover, and it was a—it was a heck of a ride, man. Well, I mean, let's be honest. You know, it, most years have not been good no, <laughs> in no. Detroit. But even when they were good, back 2014, for example, or especially say 2016, the most recent mm-hmm. time they made the playoffs, they had like nine fourth quarter comebacks that year. That's so much fun to watch and exciting, and there's some magic to it. It was an NFL record; it had never yeah. been done before. Yet, when you watch that, you don't think, "Oh, hey, this is a team on the rise. This is a team capable of building something solid, foundational, and and consistent." I guess is the word, which is what they've been then saying. They, they, you know, they want to build a consistent winner. It's something that we have not seen in Detroit since really the '90s, and even the winning then was. I didn't take you to the places you wanted to go. One playoff win, no Super Bowls, and no division championships since 93. And right now, Ben, as you look at it in 2022, as we flip to 2023, what they've built feels foundational. And, and I think that's why there's so much excitement building for, for what the Lions have going on. In Detroit, I mean, just their entire young nucleus is under contract for next year and beyond. The, the biggest strengths of the team, like the offensive line, those guys are under contract for multiple years. The payroll has been cleaned up since the Quintricia era. They won eight of their last 10 games down the stretch last year. Already went 5-1 and one against the division. And that one loss was a game they really should have won in Minnesota. And that's in the early stages of this rebuild. Now you have a bunch of guys who are going to grow up another year next year. Plus you have their flexibility and free agency. Plus you have five picks in the first three rounds, two of which are in the first round. And including at number six overall because the Rams like imploded this year unexpectedly. And we'll get to some of that stuff now later in the podcast. But I think that's why there's so much excitement. I mean, they're already turning the right way. Ben, it looks consistent. They're winning in different ways every week. Different guys are stepping up. It, you know, it's the kind of stuff that you see from winning teams. And they still have their best days to come with the guys they have. Plus, they are sitting on one of the best stockpiles of off-season resources in the whole league. And Brad Holmes has kind of proven that he can make a lot of those resources. I mean, his two draft classes, the first draft class, he gets Sewell. He gets St. Brown. The second draft class sets the NFL record for sacks by a rookie class. So it's like, not only do you have those resources, but it's like the fan base isn't worried about him screwing it up like maybe they would be in a past lifetime. Like there's there's so much kind of faith right now in what they're doing. And it's like, yeah, there are holes on that defense. Yeah, it was another year with a dreadful defense, but it's like 
you've already seen what this guy has done in his first two off seasons, kind of remaking this team for the future. And it's like, all right, yeah, number six, number 18, five in the top 100 picks. Like, all right. That's a way to fill holes right there. So it's a, it's a, you, you see the blueprint for success. The five and one, the division, those are the teams you're going to see six times a year. And you see how this guy has already kind of made the roster and how the coaching staff has made it represent what they want to represent on the field. So it's like, man, it's like across the board, like this is going in the right direction for sure. And they've got even, I mean, that's stupid to have two top 20 picks after that season. That is right. That is a lot of gold for Brad Holmes. So you mentioned Brad Holmes. That, that's a perfect segue into what we want to do today. So nice job. Good Thank job. <laughs> uh, Brad Holmes did his annual season wrap-up press conference this week. Went 36 minutes and some change and said a lot of interesting things. Clearly feeling it. I really felt a lot of confidence and, and swagger, if you will, emanating from that podium on Tuesday. Yeah, there was a lot of notable things he said, Ben. So let's run down some of the most important things. We got five of them already picked out that, that he addressed and we'll hear it directly from him himself. And then, you know, we can chop it up. And I think there's nowhere to start, but with Jared Goff, right? I mean, that's, I mean, the, it's the NFL, right? It's quarterback position is always most important. And, you know, if you have a, you know, if you don't have a starting quarterback in this league, then you're, then you're looking for one and you're in a bad place. And Jared Goff was traded to the Lions because he was a fallen franchise quarterback in LA for, for two years running. He was mistake prone and turnover prone and the Rams offense really regressed into a dink and dunk kind of thing. He basically got ran out of town. I mean, he got benched in the playoffs. And then he comes to Detroit in that trade for Matthew Stafford, was packaged with two first-round picks for, for Detroit to take him off L.A.'s hands and, and that contract. And now he's playing like a top five, top ten quarterback in the league. And I think skill set-wise, I don't know if I'd put him there, but the, the production is there and the consistency. And they, you know, that's what they need in this kind of offense, play action heavy, run heavy, control games, take care of the football. And that's what Jared Goff did. They really crushed that trade. <laughs> ben, they really crushed that trade. So let's let's start there. Brad Holmes was asked about that trade with LA and whether he could have ever possibly imagined it would go down as much of a win as it has for Detroit. Yeah. So even Brad Holmes acknowledging his of course, he didn't expect that that top 10 pick coming back in return. I mean, there's some people saying, Ben, when that trade went down, that they should have taken Carolina's offer, which was for a top 10 pick and only that pick mm -hmm. straight up for, for Stafford. Now you have Jared Goff playing at top 10 levels. You have not just the one first round pick from last year, but another first round pick this year, which now is number six because the Rams imploded <laughs> just really unexpectedly, you know. The Rams won their side of that trade, winning the Super Bowl last year. They're playing with house money. Okay, so we're not saying that the Lions, right. this is some lopsided trade. But for the Lions end of things, I think it's safe to say at this point that they won their side of the trade more than anyone could have possibly imagined. Yeah, I mean, imagine Brad Holmes' reaction the day after making that trade to be like, hey, next year the Rams are going to be picking sixth and the Lions will be 18th. I mean, that is, I think he even agreed. Yeah, that's best case scenario. And you said it about golf. We both have agreed on the guy's skill set, where we think he stands in those quarterbacks, just in what you need to do to get over the top. But it's just, it is the consistency. It's the production. It's the fact that he fixed at least in 2022, 2023, all the things that he needed to fix. I mean, the dude is writing a, league high franchise record personal best and the fifth best mark of all time without throwing an interception yeah i mean that was the main concern with this guy before that trade was how turnover prone he was how fumble happy he was and i mean i think he only had one fumble in the final stretch during that span too it's just he threw the ball downfield better this year every problem i had with him he corrected or got better at in that final stretch and it's two years in a row that he really picked up his play when it mattered the most and just in the final nine ten weeks i mean he was everything this team needed him to be inside the locker room on the field and actually as a quarterback i just love how he uses his personnel him and ben johnson are clearly in tune with each other but just i love how golf uses his personnel and just kind of how he knows what those guys are capable of it didn't come with jameson williams more on that later but just like with everybody else it's just a guy who really looks comfortable and confident in that offense he completely kind of changed my mind on him moving forward at least in through yeah. 2024 no no doubt i think he changed both of our minds i mean we were pretty hard on him coming in and, and rightfully so he mm -hmm. played poorly in la he played really poorly in his first summer in detroit he played really poorly in his first half of his first season in detroit the results spoke for themselves, but the Lions saw something there that the rest of us didn't. And they promoted Ben Johnson to basically the passing game coordinator 
down the stretch in 2021. Golf in five games where he was healthy, 11 touchdown passes, two interceptions, top three passer rating in the league. It really spoke for itself. And it was really remarkable because of the lack of personnel that was around him down the stretch in 2021 because of injuries and illnesses and whatnot. And then you come into 2022 and Ben Johnson is promoted to offensive coordinator and Goff was one of the best quarterbacks in the whole league. And he even said he was playing, he thought he was playing the best ball of his career, which is remarkable because he's made yeah. two pro bowls that went to a, <laughs> went to a Super Bowl. It's, and he was left for dead. He was, he was traded like he was a spare part. And two years later, I mean, he was one of the best quarterbacks in the league, ranked sixth in yards, fifth in touchdown passes. His passer rating, Ben, I don't have the number on me, but it was seventh. Sandwich right between Joe Burrow and Josh Allen. <laughs> Those guys are all right. You can win with guys like, I don't know, Josh Allen, right? And that's the level of quarterbacking that Jared Goff provided. And as you said, the lack of interceptions, the lack of, of turnover. I mean, that, that was a, that's always been a big issue for him, even in some of his best years. In his last uh, two years in LA, he had the most turnovers of any player in the league. And then he finishes this season 324. <laughs> Straight passes without a pick. I mean, only three guys have had longer streaks ever. Two, you know, Tom Brady had two himself, no doubt. <laughs> and that's where Goff is at. He became a more explosive quarterback while taking care of the ball in like basically a historic fashion. And as the Lions went on this tear, I mean, they're, they're thought of as like this running team with these big maulers up front. But really, if you think about it, like Jamal Williams had his worst games down the stretch. Mm -hmm. And down the stretch is when the Lions were winning games. And the Lions were winning those games despite not having Jamal Williams at his best. Because of Jared freaking Goff, he played really well, Ben, and he's the quarterback for sure going in 2023. Yeah, and that rushing attack was not good between like weeks 10 and week 16, you know? I mean, it really was Goff carrying that offense. Just yep. it's so fascinating, he, man. It's, it's completely blew my mind. So going forward, Ben, you know, he's the quarterback for 2023. We, <laughs> I mean, we, we've established that, and they've established that. They've said they come out and said it. I am curious to see what happens in the draft, right? That was kind of the thought, at least publicly, that the Lions would need a quarterback for this rebuild and that the Matthew Stafford trade was, was supposed to help them get closer to that because you'd get Jared Goff, who would be a veteran guy, get you through some of these early days, the rebuild where the roster's changing really fast and you're not competitive. And then you can use some of those resources from the Stafford trade to go get your quarterback. And now that's set up in their favor, even more so than anyone could have expected because that Rams pick is at number six. Of course, no one expected Goff to play like this either. The Lions have come out and said he's the quarterback for 2023. He's earned the starting rule. That's where they're at. But I'm curious to see if they still draft a quarterback. And if so, when? Because that's what good teams do. And we've seen it time and time again with guys like Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, guys like Patrick Mahomes. In Kansas City, I mean, Kansas City had Alex Smith playing at a high level and they were winning double digit games every year before they traded up and drafted Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. They had a good quarterback in a good situation, Ben, but their aggressiveness to go get a quarterback they thought was special made them special. And I'm curious to see if the Lions go in that direction or consider it as well. Brett Holmes was asked about it this week at a season wrap up press conference. And I thought that's some interesting things. So let's take a listen to what he had to say. I would say the pick, um, obviously, knowing that the Rams were a really good team, um, I, I, I knew when we made the trade that, yeah, it was likely that that pick was going to be late in the first round, you know, however far that, that they went. Um, but, you know, I, I didn't know about the pick this year. Obviously, um, being their track record and all the success they have, um, you don't just obviously think that it'll be a top 10 pick. But, <laughs> That's what I say every year, though, when, when schedules come out and people say, oh, well, it, it's got an easy schedule. And so, like, believe me, in an easy schedule. Every single year is different for every single year. So, um, so yeah, um, I, th I guess you could say it's fair to say it is best-case scenario. But the success that Jared had, like, again, let's say I was so impaired, like, I, I'm not surprised about that. But obviously the pick is, is, is definitely nice to have that. I think it's a lot of merit and there's a lot of, there's, there's, um, there's a lot of proof behind that. You know, you can see countless examples of guys that got to drive to high, you know, obviously, you know, Patrick Mahomes comes up, you know, right off the bat, or, you know, them trading up and taking an high in the city, but, you know, you can go back to, man, the guy that we just got them playing and Aaron Rodgers, you know, so there's, there's a lot of, 
there, 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 there's a lot of proof in the pudding behind take, taking that approach. And uh, I don't see anything wrong with it. You know, it's a, it's a premium position. Um, they, don't, they don't grow in trees. They're really hard to find. Um, just like I said earlier, it's, it, it's easy to get worse at that position to get better at that position because there's, there's so few of them. So, um, but I don't, I'm, I'm not against at all that philosophy of draft one, let them sit, develop, just kind of see what you got. So you hear in there, Ben, one of the best things I think anyone has said yet on Jared Goff's situation, which is it's easier to get worse than it is to get better at quarterback. And that's true with what their quarterback situation is. I, I think that's so true. He's playing, I mean, he's, his passer rating was top seven, his top five in yards, all these things. Like he was one of the best quarterbacks in the league. It's really difficult to find good quarterbacks in the draft, let alone quarterbacks who can play at a top five, top 10 level. So it is easier to get worse than it is to get better at that position. At the same time, Holmes is acknowledging that just because it's easier to get worse than it is to get better, that doesn't mean you don't try to get better. And the teams that have had that aggressive like treat to them to go out and try to get better at that position have turned good situations into special situations. The Green Bay Packers went from having an aging Brett Favre to having their quarterback for the next 20 years. The Kansas City Chiefs went from good to great. They're one of the great dynasties now the, in the game. And I'm curious to see if they follow us. And it, it really is the most fascinating thing about this offseason because it's eerily, eerily similar to that Chiefs situation. Alex Smith, former number one pick, guy that had been counted out a couple of times on, a, on his second or third team. And, you know, he's got that team playing the conference title game. They're in the playoffs every year. And then you look at golf. I mean, that, that is just kind of a eerily similar. So it, it, it is fascinating. I, I would be very, very shocked by a first-round quarterback. But, I mean, I think once you start talking about having five picks in the top 100, I mean, you don't want to get greedy and start taking inherent risks or anything like that. And I don't think that Brad Holmes would. But uh, I just think if they fall in love with somebody, they're going to go get them because, like, it's just, it's just the backup quarterback. You know, you're not going to invest a ton of resources into it. But we're not just talking about a backup. We're talking about potential option down the line when Jared's contract is up after 2024. And all of a sudden you're looking at another just massive possible extension even to keep him around. And it's like it would be nice to have an in-house developmental piece for that position. And at the very least, get a mobile quarterback for that defense to defend in practice so they know what a quarterback with legs actually looks like on Sundays. It's just he sounds open to it. I mean, of course, he's not going to tell us what he's doing, but I mean, the blueprint is there. And I mean, you laid the two out. I just see eerily similarities to that Chiefs team. And Mahomes is the piece that got him over the top. And the grand scheme of things is winning Super Bowls. And that's yeah. how you get to that point. Of course, you know, Patrick Mahomes is special because there's so few guys yeah. like him. Yeah. I mean, there's no one like quite like him, but guys at his elite level, there's only been a handful. Mm -hmm. I mean, like maybe three guys in the league right now, just in terms of the raw talent, can play the game at that kind of level. I mean, it logically follows. It's hard to find a guy like that. Right. So I think the bottom line for me is Jared Goff's ascent has given them flexibility with this conversation. And that's the bottom line. Whether they take a quarterback early, whether they take one late, whether they don't take one at all, Goff being not only like a competent quarterback, but a good quarterback right now has given them a flexibility we didn't know that they would have. When they made that trade, it looked like they were going to be drafting a quarterback in the next two years. And now they, they can do that if they find one they like, or they can draft, you know, they can go defense where obviously they need the greatest improvement. They were the worst team in the league just by the raw numbers for the full season. For me, Ben, it comes down to the evaluation. And if they are sitting there at number six, or anywhere else, and they say, hey, we believe this guy is a special talent. We believe we can build around this guy. Hell, if they believe it in the top five and they can make a trade, I'm also on board with that. The, the quarterback position is so different than every other position in this league. And you can win with a decent quarterback and a stellar supporting cast, but it's more difficult to do it that way, especially over a long period of time, which is the kind of thing the Lions are trying to build. The easiest way to build the thing they want is with exceptional quarterback play. And if they identify a guy in this draft who to them is exceptional and they want to build this thing around for the long haul, then you do it. And you let Jared Goff be your quarterback in 2023. You push for your division title while mentoring the young guy for the future. And that gives you the kind of flexibility going forward that, that some of the best dynasties have had, which is you know a succession plan, a quarterback, and also minding the salary cap situation at quarterback as well, because Goff only has two years left on his deal. They're very reasonable. I think his cap hit is like 31 million, give or take. 
reach in the next two years, which is very reasonable for a QB1. But when you have to repay him, which was going to have to happen in a year or two, it's going to be astronomical. And that changes the situation for you in terms of payroll and whatnot. Whereas if you draft a quarterback, you get him on that rookie contract, that kind of thing really push you into a different stratosphere going forward. And, and, and there's a big reason why, even though I believe Jared Goff is playing at a high level, that he's totally fine. I'm totally on board with him being the quarterback in 2023. That doesn't take off the table the Lions drafting a quarterback this season, even at number six. No, absolutely. I mean, shoot, the Packers love that blueprint so much. They just did it a couple of years ago with Jordan Love. So, I mean, winning organizations have followed that blueprint. Like you said, they fall in love with somebody. You know, Brad Holmes has already shown that he's not afraid to trade in the NFC North and the Bears hold that top pick. And if they start feeling frisky, you know, I mean, I'm not against it either. I, I think the defense needs a lot, but I just think if they fall in love, go get it. If you think that's the guy, go get it. Well, that's a great, another great segue, Ben. Good job. Because third clip we want to run is Brad Holmes. He was asked, what he believes needs the most improvement going forward into a year where obviously there's going to be some division title expectations. I mean, the paradigm has changed for this team going forward, right? Like we all expect more of them. This year was nice, but next year, nine and eight and missing the playoffs will be a disappointment. Things are changing, so you got to get better. Brad Holmes was asked, where do you need to improve the most? Which is a good question that I've heard asked to general managers for all of time. <laughs> and usually you get something pretty canned. You know, they don't really want to put anyone on blast. I thought... Brad Holmes was pretty explicit, acknowledging the thing that we all see, which is that the defense needs help. Here is what you had to say. There's a lot of different areas that, that we can go, especially with, you know, the resource that we'll have available to us. Um, obviously, our defense was ranked 32nd. So, I mean, it's pretty obvious that, you know, we're, we're going to have to utilize some resources uh, to try and improve that defense. Um, I do believe that there's some young guys on our defense right now that are only going to get better. Um, you know, everything that Malcolm Rodriguez was able to do, you know, I know that linebacker kind of came in as a question, but, but I think that that thing is it's, it's more of a positive, more of a strength of Anzalone having a 100 plus half a season, Derek Barnes taking the jump, and then Malcolm Rodriguez. But, and I think, you know, our, our pass rush has only come. You know, obviously, Aiden. With um, nine and a half sacks, I think he's, you know, he's only going to get better. James Houston's only going to get better. So, you know, um, and then guys that we did not have, you know, available to us is Charles Harris. I mean, you know, Charles Harris had to, he had to go on IR. So him coming back, you know, uh, Romeo had to kind of come back slowly from a, a really tough injury. So there's pieces there um they always weren't available to us but we saw enough growth but obviously we need to improve in that area and i think we will so i think that was a pretty like direct read on on where they're at then i mean what do you think where do they need the most help on this team going into 2023 cornerback cornerback and cornerback and cornerback and then (laughs) and then probably another defensive lineman because i'm starting to think as levi unsworthy is kind of a lost cause and i think that's a hole that needs to be filled even if he miraculously comes back and is anything that he could have been i i just think they they weren't consistent against the run they showed flashes they weren't they they were never consistent against the pass they had bright moments they had some nice ball hawking moments which was a nice turn but it's just I mean, I think it was Will Harris was their top graded cornerback from Pro Football Focus. That is correct. Number six. <laughs> so it's, and I, props to Will Harris for taking that nickelback role and running with it. And I've shown my fondness of Jerry Jacobs and I think Jeff Okuda has got some elite run stopping ability, but it's like, man, they need a coverage guy. Man, they just need somebody that can lock somebody down man to man play that press ball that they kind of want to play. But it's just, there, there's a lot of coverage missing. And it's cornerback for me is like the top need at the top of the board is cornerback. It is a top need for me. It's hard to rank them sometimes. The corner yeah. is certainly right there. I'm right with, there with you, Ben. They opened the season with Amani Oruwarie, Jeff Okuda, and Mike Hughes in the slot for their, their starting cornerback trio. Every one of those guys was benched. Yeah. Oruwarie's gone. I mean, I would be... I'll eat your 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 sock if they bring back <laughs> or who are you? I mean, like I it, like he was benched, he was faded. He, like it's hard, difficult to say what exactly happened there, but I, I think he's going to look for opportunities elsewhere. Mike Hughes is also a free agent. I, I think he was benched in the slot, found some second life on the outside. I think he was competent out there, but as you try to make this jump to being a division contender, winning playoff games, and all that. You need more than competency at cornerback. Like this is this is a passing yeah. league, and you need guys on the perimeter 
who can defend. And Mike Hughes is just not, like he's competent at best and maybe he'll come back as a depth piece, but he's not a guy you want to build around. And then there's Jeff Okuda, who we'll get to more in a, in a bit, yeah. so I don't really want to go too far into it. But but he was benched on the stretch because of some struggles. I didn't play in the finale because of an injury, and there's some real questions about his future as well. So no matter what happens on those fronts, Ben, I'm with you. Like, they need at least one corner. They yeah. might need two corners. Jerry Jacobs, who you mentioned, I mean, we're really one one of the unsung heroes of the season to me. Came back from the ACL injury midseason and played really good ball on the outside. I know what the PSF rankings say. I think my eyes tell me yeah. that, that Jerry Jacobs was their best corner. And not only did he play at a, at a fairly high level, but he did it in a way that they want to play. They want to play tough, hard-nosed, physical defense. And that includes in the perimeter. And that is what Jerry Jacobs does. Probably too much. He draws a lot of penalties because he's so handy. But he's so physical. He's a good tackler. He fits very well into what they want to do defensively with, with Aaron Glenn. So for, for me, Ben, your one certainty going into next year at cornerback, the one guy is Jerry Jacobs. And then for at least one more year, you've got Jeff Okuda in the fold that you hope will bounce back. Now that he has another year to get back from the injury. You really need at least one more corner and probably two. You probably need an immediate starter for the slot because Will Harris is also a free agent. But you need a, a guy to develop for the long term. And with two first-round picks, one at six, another at 18, correct? Yep. yep. You have the opportunities, the bullets to do it. So, you know, going back to the quarterback conversation, maybe they take one, maybe they don't. But either way, I think you're going to hear a lot about the defense and the draft, especially early. And I think one of those early picks will be ticketed for, for a cornerback. No, absolutely. Let's turn to free agency. This team wants to build the draft. That will always be the priority. And that's kind of the reason we talked about it first. But free agency is also important, whether you're bringing in external free agents, which the Lions have done, although not so aggressively, kind of picking their spots with proven players, one-year contracts. They don't commit too much money over a long period of time, especially as they rebuild this thing. But really prioritizing more so, Ben, bringing back their own. And they like the continuity there. They know these guys, guys like Tracy Walker from last year. They gave a huge extension to Romeo Aquara, a big extension to, to Frank Ragnow. I mean, the biggest, all, I mean, all of the biggest contracts from this current regime have all been, without exception, to internal players. And then they picked their spots with external players. And that made a ton of sense to me, like given where they were with the rebuild, they didn't want to put a ton of money into future years like 23 and 24, not knowing exactly where their foundation might shake out with the young players in the first years of the rebuild. And now as they shift to a different level in 2023, where they're going to be competing, I think a lot of teams would be more aggressive. They would take bigger swings to fill immediate holes. Kind of sounds like they might not do that. So let's take a listen to, to Brad Holmes and what he had to say about how his free agent approach might change it. This was actually the first question of the press conference as well. So this is how Brad Holmes opened this press conference. No, it really doesn't. You know, we're always going to be very strategic and selective with our approach. You know, even back, regardless of how many resources you have, how much how much money you can spend, uh, we always are very selective and strategic with how we how we go about free agency. And that's that's you know upcoming UFAs that are on our team, you know, as well as you know a- external ads. But it's always going to be the same approach, and I think we've kind of proven that. Obviously, year one um, didn't have as many resources at our disposal, but we were very selective about who were the right guys and being very selective about all right, Alex Anzalone, he's the right guy. Khalid Framing, he was the right guy. Charles Harris, he's the right guy. It's not that it was just a proven one-year deal, but it was the right guy. There was a ton of other options for, you know, proving one your deals, but we just are really, really strategic and selective and who get those right guys and we'll, we'll continue that same way. Yeah, I think there's some things to unpack there, Ben. It's it's not exactly, it's exactly what I expected him to say, but if they stick to that approach, it's not exactly what I expected from them in, in free agency. I, I would think that their improved salary cap situation and with some real expectations and a, a real window for competitive football next year, I would expect them to spend more money to address those immediate needs to get the, give them the best yeah. chance in the immediate future to win football game. I mean, I think they'll do that to some degree, but it sounds like they're not going to deviate too much from their approach, which has been to be fairly conservative in free agency. What would you think about what Brad Holmes had to say? They, they love sticking to their guns and they love talking about sticking to their guns. And I really do feel like it's going to be similar. I mean, you laid it out perfect. I think Jamal Williams is the only multi-year free agent signing in two mm-hmm. years. And I think DJ Chark got the biggest deal, which was 10 million or so for an external guy. And that's, that's conservative. That's very, 
very conservative. They've been aggressive internally, and I, I really do expect that to continue too. I, I think they are going to stay the course in that regard, but with that extra space, I think it's 11th or 12th most cap space as things stand, something like that. Maybe one more splash, like maybe maybe you'll see a multi-year deal for a corner or a safety or an interchangeable slot guy like that, but I think it's going to be very similar. I don't think there's going to be a big ticket, big money, Jaguars type spending spree, even though it kind of ended up working out for them. I, I think they are going to stick to their guns. They're going to build this through the draft. Brad Holmes is a self-proclaimed draft junkie who lights up the room every time you call him a draft junkie. That is what they're going to do. That's what they're going to do. Maybe one more splash this offseason, but I think it'll be very, very similar to what we've seen the last two years. And they've had some success. Mm -hmm. They brought in Charles Harris last year, and he led the team in sacks. Yeah. They brought in DJ Chark this year, and he had some injuries that really limits him in the first half of the year. But in the second half of the year, he was one of the best mm -hmm. deep ball guys in the NFL. And Jerry Goff's strength is not really the deep ball, but was able to unlock that aspect of the playbook, and it really opened up things underneath. And I mean, the offense was pretty good the whole year. I was having that two or three game blip in the middle of the year where they didn't have a... right freaking healthy receiver to play for them. But Goff really took off down the stretch. He was number one or number two rated quarterback once the calendar turned to December. And having DJ Chark at his full powers in the deep ball game was a big reason for that. So I think Chark is going to be one of their top free agent pursuits this year. He's an internal guy now, obviously, but it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out because Chark came to Detroit to be a wide receiver one, at least for a year. You know, Jamison Williams was coming back from injury and whatnot. So Chark was going to have the opportunity to be this team's featured vertical threat with JMO coming back next year. I don't know if that's going to be the case. You still got Amon Ross St. Brown, Khalif Raymond. I mean, pretty much, I think every receiver is under contract for next year. I'm curious to see if Chark is going to come back to this rebuild and continue playing with Goff in an offense that really suits him, or if he's going to look for an opportunity elsewhere to do what he did this past year, which is go to a place where he can be a featured vertical guy, rack up some stats, show that he can stay healthy, and then get paid. And I don't know if the Lions are in a position to really pay him the kind of money that, that he wants, but... You know, we'll see. I, I, but I agree with you, Ben. The free agency approach, I think, you know, and I asked Brad Holmes specifically, what's your approach with internal guys? Because that has always been the focus in his first two years. And I thought it had a lot to do with them wanting to establish some consistency. I think, you know, they really minded the culture of the team in these early levels of the rebuild because it was so bad before. They're trying to establish something new. And I thought that they were really prioritizing culture and the guys they were bringing in and retaining to help set a new thing under Dan Campbell. But once that was set, maybe they would open up that approach just a little bit, knowing they had a solid foundation from which to build. They could bring in a guy at that point that maybe they wouldn't have before. But to me, it sounds like right now they're kind of going to take the same approach, like really focus on their internal guys. I think Tarek and I think John Kaminsky, John Kaminsky. I would definitely put money on him coming back. Alex Anzalone, I put money on him coming back. Mm -hmm. Anzalone was asked about that specifically in the locker room after the season while he was cleaning out his locker. And he said he wants to come back, although acknowledged that sometimes those things are out of his hands, and, you know, with the way the rebuild goes with who they draft, it could affect his, his future, but it sounds like he wants to come back. Yeah, Brad Holmes said a very interesting thing in this press conference where he said that most of the, you know, they did exit interviews with all the guys before they were leaving. And most of those guys said explicitly in their exit interviews, I want to come back. Yeah. Like the, the free agents, they, you know, they all want to come back. And I think that really speaks to the thing they're building here under, under Dan Campbell. And I just think, like you said, it's been successful because I just want to give a shout out to Khalif Raymond, who was the team's second leading receiver <laughs> with 647 or something receiving yards. That guy got a two-year deal last offseason. They love rewarding those internal guys. And just like Kaminsky, 44 pressures, a top 50 pressure creator. I think they love DJ Chark back. But as we saw last offseason, receivers kind of demand some cash. So there could be some external suitors there. But yeah, I just wanted to give a shout out to Raymond just because it has been just a successful approach. They found those guys that just fit their culture. And they found those guys that they know how to use and get the most out of. Let's move along. Yeah. Let's move to Jeff Okuda. I think there's a conversation mm -hmm. to be had there that will play out over the coming months and really until May when the Lions have a deadline on whether or not to pick up his, his fifth-year option on his rookie deal. Um, the, his last year of his deal is this coming year in 2023. There's an option for 2024 at $11.259 million, fully guaranteed. That's huge money for a cornerback. And I think there's been some positive signs with Jeff Okuda. He has not shown that he's an $11 million cornerback. There's an interesting decision to be made there. So let's listen to what Brad Holmes had to say on that front. 
Yeah, you know, Jeff, first of all, I told you guys after camp that, you know, I, I give him so much credit because we challenged him and he answered the challenge. But I also told you guys, look, it's basically it's rookie season, you know, um, and he's kind of really getting this extensive action for the first time. And he, he, he showed some good things. But when I say basically like a rookie season, he's going to have lumps, you know, and he, he showed some good. He had some times that were not so so good, but he's a he's a really young player. I think he's still developing, and um, you know we're just kind of um, I know like fifth year option all stuff like you said is coming up. You know we'll um, address that at the appropriate time. But um, but I'm probably with what Jeff did, and um, I know he'll hold himself accountable for for his play of, of, of the good things and the things that he needs to work. Man, it, it's really hard for me, Ben, to read what they're going to do with Jeff Okuda. Like, we all know the reality, right? Like, he struggled as a rookie, as most cornerbacks do, even at their best. And Okuda was playing hurt that year, and he was playing in dysfunctional defense, as he put it. <laughs> when it's true. A lot of guys are going to look bad playing in a defense like that, especially cornerbacks, because there's no pass rush. Year two... There's a lot of good signs in the offseason. He was hurt in the first game of the year, so he never really got a chance to get a sense of where he was really at. So then it's year three, really, is like a reset for him. It's kind of like the start of his career in some ways and played, I would say, pretty well in the first month or two. And then there was a decline. And in the last month, a pretty sharp decline. He, he, he struggled. He was a bottom five coverage cornerback in his last month, according to Pro Football Focus. And he was benched in his last two games at various points. And then they even, didn't even play in the finale because of an injury. It's just really hard to get a sense of what the Lions have there. Was he struggling because he hit a wall after coming back from the Achilles and not having a true offseason to, to work on his game and his fitness and whatnot? Or was it a sign of the league figuring him out? You know, maybe he was masking some things earlier. The Lions were schematically masking some things earlier. I don't know. I don't know if they quite know. I don't know if he knows, but there's, I think, some concern there. And when you have to pick up an $11 million option, it's fully guaranteed. There's some, some serious questions to be had about whether to bring that guy back or not. He's hasn't been good in coverage. There's been moments, there's been bright moments, there's been signs of improvement, but he just has not been a good coverage cornerback this year. It just, like you said, there were bright, last year was like nothing. It was a deleted season. It was Good talk in the offseason and immediately done away. And I mean, Holmes and I think Campbell's even said it. They looked at this as a rookie year for him. But unfortunately, that doesn't really match up with his contract kind of timeline. And it's tough. It's really tough because I think he's a really instinctual, very fearless run defender. But that is like not an $11 million cornerback. So it's like all of a sudden you're talking about looking into a new role for him, which I think would be the best thing moving forward is just kind of getting him closer into the box and stuff. But once again, it's like $11 million fully guaranteed for that? I don't know. It, I think the Brad Holmes was mum on it, to use a M-Live word. <laughs> <laughs> and I think... Uh, if I had a nickel for the time I used that word, I wouldn't have to work at M-Live anymore. <laughs> I just think the concerns are really validated it's going to be his fourth year next year and that's the coverage ability has not been there it's it, it's been there at times that's at the times thing. yeah because at we've times. seen him play great then yeah but then we've seen him not play great yeah and carolina oh man i don't know what to say about that that was dreadful it, like Devokuda has been up and down in terms of, of, of coverage throughout his career he has been tremendous as a tackler and in yeah. run support and i'm sorry it, it I don't know if he was playing hurt. I don't know where his mind was. I, I don't know the reason, but it was so bad in Carolina watching that man try to play. And he was, he was benched for basically the second half. So like, I'm not on the island here. Like clearly, clearly the, the team had concerns as well, right? But, you know, he was easily blocked out of plays. He missed tackles, picked bad paths to the, to the football. I mean, it, that was, that it was difficult to watch. It just like didn't. I just have that one throw by Sam Darnold and Zach Wilson did it to him the week before too, just throwing it in the air and he just completely lost track of the ball. And it's just, yeah. this was supposed to be a shut down press man to man cover corner guy. And yep. I've, I've seen five or six instances of that. And then the same, you know, on, on the other hand, Ben, he has all the measurables yeah. of a guy who can play at a high level. We've seen him play at an extraordinary level in college. And he is just months removed still from an Achilles injury. And not to belabor the point, because we've talked about Achilles so much, but 
how Virginia sure. State suffered at that, at that spot, but it really takes away your ability to accelerate more than anything. You know, even when you come back, it can take a little while for that acceleration, that pop, that explosive step to return. Sometimes it doesn't for guys. Sometimes it just takes a little bit longer. You know, I don't know if it's that, you know, maybe having some more time between him and that injury will cure what's going on. Maybe we'll see a more explosive player next year. Maybe he just needs some rest, you know, like the, the physical toll of what he put himself through last offseason was intense. He was flying all over the country. Hell, he went to Canada, yeah. like seeking out alternative treatments and whatnot to accelerate his rehab to be back for training camp. That's commendable. And mm -hmm. he did that. He was out there. I mean, hell, he was out there in a limited capacity during OTAs, totally rejoined the team for the start of training camp. And it was slow coming at first, which you would totally expect from a guy coming back from that injury. And then it eventually came for him. And we saw some good football from him for a month or two. And then obviously it dropped off. And so maybe rest and time is all he needs. And we'll see a different player next year because we, we, we know he has the physical mm -hmm. rights to be the kind of guy that everyone wants him to be. At the same time, Ben, this is year four for Jeff Okuda and yeah. we still have not seen that guy. And at some point in this league, at some point your window passes. And I'm not saying that's happened for Jeff Okuda, but that is a conversation that the Lions have to have with, with regard to the player they have and whether to pick up an $11 million option for 2024. Yeah, and I do think there's something to what you're saying. He struggled with cramping in multiple games this year. He got sick down the stretch and just kind of never seemed to be the same person for that. So there is a potential that he just pushed too hard, hit that quote-unquote rookie wall, even though he's not a rookie, but like it's the first time he saw that many snaps at this level. So I think I think there is something to that and it just kind of really clouds that conversation. It's, it's a tough decision coming because that's a lot of guaranteed money. We got one more clip pulled out from Brad Holmes and it's on Dan Campbell. And I don't know, you know, it's not so newsy like some of the other things mm -hmm. that he said, but I just thought it was something worth talking about because I think it really drives it some of the, at the emotional center of this rebuild that now seems very far ahead of schedule. So let's listen to what Brad Holmes had to say about, about Dan Campbell. I think Dan, he, he's just, he's special, he's elite. We'll say what, what, what Dan can do and I don't think, I don't know if all coaches have, but I'll say what I, he has an elite ability to pull the team out of a dark place. And whether it's from a record standpoint, whether it's something from, he has to make a tough decision on the staff, like it's proven, proof's in the pudding. He had to make a tough decision on the staff last year. Decision that I know he didn't want, but he had to, he knew he had to, and he's gonna do it He's going to do what it takes for the team. He had to do it again this year. It was that one to six. And he just has a rare elite ability to pull the team out and write the shit. And when you have that, that I, I, that's just, I think that's just, it's God-given. And you just either have it or don't. And he has that. And that's, what, that's one of the many qualities I think makes him an elite coach. Okay, Ben, yeah, I liked what he said. I think it's something that we've sensed and seen from the outside. He has an elite ability to pull a team out of a dark place. And we've seen that manifest in so many different ways, whether it was struggling players, whether it was benching the right players that led to a defensive revival this year, whether it was with his own staff. I mean, he loved Aubrey Pleasant. The players loved playing for Aubrey Pleasant. Aubrey Pleasant wasn't working out. The defense certainly wasn't working out. And when they got housed by Miami in week eight, and they're sitting there at whatever it was, one and six yeah. or what have you, he made the difficult decision to fire Aubrey Pleasant. And it, the defense immediately got better. The pass defense was, I think, roughly top 10 in the league down the stretch. They allowed 12 fewer points per game down the stretch. That is dramatic. Yes. That's dramatic progress. And I don't know how much Pleasant was directly responsible for some of the things that were happening. And firing him was what led directly to some improvement. That's hard to pin down, Ben. But for me, the bottom line is he pressed the right button to make things work. Just like we saw last year with Anthony Lynn. He took the play calling away from Anthony Lynn. That's a very difficult thing to do for a first-year head coach. And Anthony Lynn's been around this league for forever. And to take the play calling duties away from him, I mean, that's a... It's a big step you don't usually see, and Campbell, as a first-year coach, took it regardless of, of the consequence. And the, the offense immediately got better. And one of the reasons the offense immediately got better was because Ben Johnson was running the passing game as a 35-year-old tight ends coach. 
And what do you know, we're like 14 months later and Ben Johnson is literally the hottest head coaching candidate on the planet. He's interviewing for three of the opening vacancies for head coaches. And that's just a remarkable ascent from a guy who's obviously clearly very smart. And Dan Campbell put that into motion, you know, and we've just seen it so many times to come back from one and six and to win eight of your final 10 games. Like he pressed the right buttons. You don't usually see teams come back from, from that kind of start, you know, and Hey, if Seattle loses in the final week of the season, we're covering a playoff game this week. And that's, that's only ever happened one time in NFL history from a team that started like Detroit did this year. Again, like there's a lot of reasons for that, but Dan Campbell at one way or another is ultimately responsible for a lot of them. And I don't think you can dismiss his ability, his touch when it comes to being in command of this team and knowing what it Absolutely. And I think what Brad Holmes said, that's like exactly what you want to hear your general manager say about your head coach, like the ability to plumb out of a dark place. He's special and elite at that. And I just think Dan Campbell has, he's so in tune with this team. It's like this team is like matched his heartbeat that he can like pick up on when something's wrong and he like knows how to fix it. Like if he's really proven that so far and it's just, he is man. Like even, even like the end of the week, DeMar Hamlin stuff that had the league under such a dark cloud. I think he's the right guy to be in the room, leading the room, talking to those guys. I agree with everything Holm said. He has such an elite awareness and relatability and connectivity to that team. And it just screams with stuff like this. I think he played under Anthony Wynn in Dallas to take away play calling duties away from him. That's not an easy, just to belabor that point for a second, that's not an easy choice for a first-year coach to make. And then this year, I mean, he pinpointed what needed to change. He pinpointed the issue. He made the tough decision and they got better. He's genuine. (laughs) He's so much smarter than he gets credit for. And it's just, I'm glad we're talking about this because I'm glad just to shine light on Holmes's comments just because it just really speaks to why Dan Campbell is the guy for this team. It's interesting because, you know, from the start, he's presented himself, Dan Campbell has, as, you know, as a meathead. Yeah, beer drinking meathead. I I mean, right out of the (laughs) gate, I remember his opening press conference. I mean, I don't want to say the word kneecap, but like that's just become so reductive. It, It was what so much of the country understood about Dan Campbell and was the only thing. They understood about Dan Campbell and they saw some of these comments and just assumed he was a, a, a yeah. knuckle dragger. But if you talk to the man, which I did like two weeks after that press conference, and you ask, actually ask him questions of substance about you know his philosophies, what he plans to do, a plan begins to emerge that makes a lot of sense, that has pedigree for success with Sean Payton. And he hires a staff that has pedigree for success all over the place for player development. If you just cared to listen, you would hear something of substance and now everyone, now that there's some success, everyone is paying attention and they're falling in love with Dan Campbell as, as a three-dimensional human being and, and head coach rather than just a, a sound blip from one press conference. And it, it's just interesting because he does, he gives off that meathead aura, but it's like this like smokescreen for something deeper that, that has really led directly to a revival in Detroit. It's, I mean, it's really, who knows what would happen in Detroit if he weren't here, it would have gone another direction for sure. But certainly, like, as this rebuild becomes one of the hottest in the league and the Lions enter a 2023 season where serious expectations are on their shoulders for the first time in a very, very long time, Dan Campbell's ability to read this team, to put things into motion, to play call when it's needed and all these other things is, is I think, the biggest reason for it. I really do. I, I really do, too. I really do, too. And I've seen a lot of people, a lot of respected national media members come out. I think it was Jim Trotter, like, oh, I was down on this guy after the kneecap speech. I just want to put something into perspective. And Nick Baumgartner and I have talked about this several times. That was Dan Campbell's famous, infamous opening speech. He's alone in that room. He's alone standing in front of a computer on Zoom, trying to, like, fire himself up in this moment. I just think that was just... I'm so tired of hearing it too. I'm so tired of seeing the recap <laughs> stuff. I'm so tired of talking about it because this guy is like one of the smartest minds in football. I mean, this is a Parcells, the Sean Payton protege. I mean, there is something to be said about that. And I just, uh, you're seeing it. You're seeing the the former football player. You're seeing the meathead. You're seeing the just super genius kind of football mind. And I mean, he's got, he's got a pulse on the blueprint of this team. And I just, I, I've never felt a complete buy-in. I mean, yeah, my first two and a half seasons were Matt Patricia teams. I've never seen anything like this. They Exactly. You're laughing. <laughs> no, right. It just is like, it's, it's a world change. And I said that when Dan Campbell got hired, I said it last year when we were recording our first off season pod, I'll say it again. It's just like, he is completely 
reshaped that culture. And it's a big reason, Ben, why while losing Ben Johnson in the next week or two, which could happen. Yeah. Again, he's interviewing for three of the five vacancies. He's clearly a, a trendy guy. I mean, he's interviewing with Houston as we speak. If they do lose him, that would be a, a huge loss. Ben Johnson's a really bright guy. He's been really, really good for Jared Goff. The creativity of the offense, the balance of the offense, its ability to produce really the only time where it didn't produce was when they had basically no receivers left. Everyone was hurt and they were starting Maurice Alexander and Tom Kennedy. You're, yeah, you're going to have some struggles and they did. But besides that, man, Ben Johnson was great for this team and great for this offense. And I mean, really revived the entire career yeah. of Jared Goss. Losing that guy would be painful and a blow. But all these things we're saying about Dan Campbell, pushing the right buttons, having the right sense for what this team needs for... He's made two major coaching changes since he took over, and both of them were huge, immediate hits. I think that speaks to while Ben Johnson, of course, is a bright guy and done fabulous work, I think there's more to the head coach than just meathead talk. Like he, like he has a sense of winning football. He saw it for years and years with, you know, with Sean Payton. Their ideologies are very similar. Also played for Bill Parcells and comes from that coaching tree as well. Don't dismiss Dan Campbell no. and his ability to make the right decision, to have the right read, to push the right buttons. And I think that applies to the Ben Johnson situation as well. And he's already proven he can call plays when it comes to that. I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, seriously, you know, which it might, which it might. <laughs> for about like seven months, we <laughs> talked about Dan Campbell's play calling ability. So let's not forget that. I, I just slid. Yeah, it would suck. Obviously, it would suck to lose Ben Johnson for this team and for Jared Goff. But I, I just there's not much I need to say. I would have full, complete trust in. Dan Campbell and replacing that position if need be and taking over play calling duties if need be as well. I think that's what we got for today. The, the season is a wrap. Next week, we have a, an episode that I'm very excited about. Then we'll have the Beat Writer Roundtable for the second straight year. That was a big hit last year. I really enjoyed just doing it. Yep. So we had basically every primary beat writer on the Lions beat on a single podcast through the magic of Zoom. <laughs> and I just really enjoyed the conversation because very rarely, if ever, do you have that many people who know that much about the Lions in one place chopping it up? I mean, you have so many talking heads and we're talking heads, like, but national people, like they have their opinions and, and everything, but no one knows this team quite like a better who's in the trenches, travels with this team every single week and goes everywhere and sees everything and talks to these players and just has a pulse on what was happening. And you got the, all the primary beat writers together last year, right after the season to, to chop it up and. I really enjoyed it, and it was a big hit with the listeners, too. We heard a lot about it. So we'll have that again on tap next week. We'll have Dave Briquette of the Free Press, Justin Rogers of the Detroit News, Colton Pouncey of The Athletic, and Eric Woodyard of ESPN, along with Ben Raven and myself. Man. And it'll be, I'm, I'm excited. It's a great thing for fans. I mean, it really is. Because you get to hear, like, we just spent, like, 25 weeks in the same room together in life. <laughs> Like all of us do. For better or worse. For better or worse. We definitely have our bad days. We definitely have our high moments. But uh, you just get, this is like sitting down, like when we have those slow moments before locker room, when we just start talking about the team and we start talking about the future, like it feels like that. And I just think it's, it's awesome. And we got Dave this year. Huh? You got the okay on Dave? Well, okay. gave me the okay. <laughs> we'll see if it comes through. Come on, free. <laughs> all right. What we got uh, for today. Uh, good stuff, Ben. We'll see you next week. This has been Ben Raven and Kyle Mikey of MLive's Detroit Lions Beat. Thank you for listening to the Dungeon of Doom, an MLive Detroit Lions podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Google. Like I said, wherever you get them and listen to them, make sure to subscribe to the Dungeon of Doom. Thanks again. Thanks again.